Hi, I'm Johan Roberts, and this is the Colbert Had a Dream podcast. Please listen. Hello, uh, this is the second half of our interview with Uan Roberts. Here he talks about his Wales career, the best Wales players he's played with, and also we have a wider discussion on Wales at the moment. The younger players that are coming through, people like Ethan Ampadu, Ben Woodburn and Harry Wilson, and what, what the future holds for them. All in all, if you're a Wales fan, this is the part of the interview to listen to. We hope you enjoy, and again, thank you very much to Uan for his time. Earlier we were talking about when you like your early Wales career. You talked about Ian Rush. How how good was Ian Rush? He was the worst, one of the worst trainers I've ever seen. Him and Mark Hughes were shocking in training. Really? But you knew day of the game they would switch a flick like that, and and they would be bang on. Probably the best finisher I've ever seen. You give him a chance. And he would finish it, but you didn't see. You only saw the best of Rushy in a game. You yeah. never really saw it, and that's how you can tell that him and Mark Hughes were world class, in my opinion. Because not many players can get away with that going through the motions in training and not really putting the effort in that they should do. But you know, game day, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. But they, they were both different class. I mean, Sparky's first touch and his technique, his range of passing was, was ridiculous. But Rushy was just a goal machine. And you knew, once that ball had gone over the top, if he was level with a defender, there was only ever going to be one winner. I'm good mates with Kevin Ratcliffe. And um, if, whenever Rats gets asked a question, the best player you've ever played with, um, he always says Neville Southall. Always... But he always says Rushy wasn't too far behind him. Yeah. And that goes to show what a good what a good keeper Nev was. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Him. If he's putting Nev before before Ian Rush. He was astounding, actually. And you couldn't Nev, you couldn't play like that now, could you? The way oh, he played I mean, just big, we'd we'd have a shooting practice after training and Nev would go in goal and he wouldn't use his hands. <laughs> he would head things away, he'd hit the chest. He wouldn't use his arms or his hands. And he was still impossible to me. I mean, he was the best keeper in the world when he played. Yeah. It was that for me. It, so from the 80s to, to the 90s, he was by far the best goalkeeper. After you got the, you know, you're involved with Holland and everything, you were, it, it looks like you're kind of in and out for a little bit of a Yeah. Time. Were you kind yeah. of disappointed by that? Or was it, I suppose it was just a bit of a difficult time with the strikers that were available? For me, uh, when I was sort of... Not growing up, but in my younger years, when I first broke in, when you've got the likes of Mark Hughes, Dean Saunders, Ian Rush, you're going to have to be something special to get in yeah. before. So if, the way I looked at it, if I got into a squad, I'd be delighted. If I got if I got on and got a cap, I'd be over the moon. But then as time got on and I got older and I, and I moved to Huddersfield, I scored goals there, I moved to Leicester... I scored goals at Leicester. There was times I thought I should have been in the squad, but I was left out. And there was players who were sort of... I mean, I think Gareth Taylor was playing for Bristol Rovers at the time. Yeah. And Gareth was getting in before me. And it, I was slightly disappointed, but it just made me sort of more determined that once I did get a chance, then hopefully I, I would take... I would have loved to have got more than 15 caps. But it wasn't to be... Looking back, I loved every second of it. Never pulled out of a squad 
uh, apart from one, when I wasn't injured. Um, you know, if always, always met up, loved meeting up, ne- never, never missed a squad, apart from when we, I was supposed to meet up after the 2002 player final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. We played on a Sunday, I think, and Wales had a friendly against Germany on the Tuesday. We lost to Birmingham in the player final, and it's probably one of the lowest lows mm-hmm. I'd ever felt because I think I was 34 at the time, and I'm thinking, well, that's, that's my that's my last chance of ever playing in the Premier League again. So I was I was down, I was distraught, nearly in tears on the pitch after the game, watching Birmingham go up and get their medals and their trophy. And I just didn't fancy meeting up with the squad. And the Secretary of Norwich, he rang in. Um, I think he's spoke to the the Welsh FA and said, oh, uh, Robbo's got a, a, a back problem. He won't be meeting up with the squad. Um, and I've never got picked for a squad after that. Yeah. I, I was 34, so I can understand. You know, mm-hmm. people like Ernie coming through and John Hartson was in his prime. Blakey was still playing well. So I could I could understand why uh, why I wasn't chosen at 34, having sort of pulled out of that squad. And they knew that probably I was I was throwing one in. That's the only other time yeah. that I've done it. Because I used to love meeting them. I used to love getting them two shirts. <laughs> Honestly, I used to love getting them two shirts. There's no better feeling. Um, I, I did see as well that you, and I've, I heard you talk about it on Edgefoff, but you were part of the, the squad that lost to that Moldova side, famously. Yeah. Um, was, like, for the sake of asking a stupid question, was everything that, you know, you, you read about, was it as bad as, as everyone says over there, you know, like crappy hotels and you couldn't sleep and just dreadful facilities? And They weren't as bad as what we've, what we've said. But they're excuses at the end of the day. Mm. They are excuses. You know, we, it was, it was a long flight, it's a very hot country. We and to be fair, we'd underestimated them. We hadn't done any research. We hadn't done any homework. We weren't given any information because they were a newish country. Yeah. We had taken our own chefs and food with us, and there was a bit of a kerfuffle because they can't believe I've used the word kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Their chefs wouldn't let our chefs into the kitchen to use the equipment to cook the food. The rooms were filthy. I was rooming with Mark Pembridge. We both slept in our tracksuits because there was cockroaches, there was flies, um, dirty water. It, it wasn't great, it wasn't great, but they are excuses. We still should have gone out and beat the Moldova because I've looked at that side many times on the internet since, and we had a good side. We had a good side. We got off to a good start, but probably having got off to that good start, we probably thought we were going to go on and and win by four or five. Yeah. And, you know, we had, we had a massive wake-up call a few weeks later when we went to Georgia yeah. and got smashed by five. Yeah. And once again, we probably thought all we had to do was turn up. Didn't think they were going to be that much of a test or a threat to us. We got a massive kick up the backside. Moving forward a little bit, you talked that Mark Hughes gave you most of your caps. Yes. That that came at a time for me when I started, like I was I was sixteen then in year two thousand, starting to go to Wales games on my own for the first time, like yeah. proper getting into Welsh football, and I remember that era as the the Millennium Stadium. The, I felt like it was the start of something. I and I know we yeah. got very close to year two thousand uh, two thousand four. Sorry, 
did you kind of feel that same sort of thing? You know, things are starting to get better. Facilities are getting better. There's the new stadiums coming. Did you did you feel that things were definitely making progress? Yeah, because I think as a as a an outfit, uh, we were far more professional when Mark, when Sparky took over. Yeah, he had Mark Bowen, he had Eddie Nizvicky working with him, and they were really really thorough. Um, and it was because we. We'd obviously had Bobby, mm-hmm. who, I mean, Bobby, Bobby, he is what he is. Uh, he is a little bit like Marmite. I got on all right with Bobby. Uh, I don't know, until I nearly killed his son when I, he was playing for Bradford and I was playing for Wolves <laughs> and I opened him up. Didn't get picked too many times after that. <laughs> I think that's, that was the main thing. We were a far more professional outfit when Sparky took over. You know, and it was his first job. He'd worked with the best at Old Trafford. Um, he had a good group of people around him, and I think we, you know, we probably thought we had turned the corner. We had we had some magnificent players, so yeah, we probably thought our time had come, sort of thing. Um, especially when, although I wasn't in in that squad for, I think I wasn't in the squad for the Italian game. Um, I was in and out once again. I wasn't in the squad for the Russia game, but watched both games. I watched the first game on telly. I went to the to the second game. And once again, when you when we lost like we did, it's heartbreak again. Mm, and you yeah. think, Jesus, when are we going to qualify? You know, we've got. And we all, I think, we all thought from the first game in Russia, you know, coming back with a goal of straw, we're there really. You know, we're going to qualify for a major tournament for such a long time. And then when you lose, you're back to square one. And you start thinking, are we ever going to do it again? Yeah. Am I, I have a, a, a really vague memory. Correct me if I'm wrong. This, this is leading to a question. Did you score against Azerbaijan and then it got disallowed? Or have I completely imagined that? I should have scored against Azerbaijan. Or maybe that's what I'm thinking. I, yeah, I should have missed that. And I never scored for Wales. And that is one thing that hurts me. That I, I never scored for, for, for the country. Because I, I was, I was going to ask, is there, is there like a, a chance or a moment... You could kind of you, you could have back sort of thing. You yeah. would. Oh, the Kirin Cup uh, first game we played Argentina nil uh, nil. Gary Speed, bless him, has gone down the left hand side. He's put a great ball into the far post, and I I sort of dragged off to the far post. I can see it coming all the way. My eyes have opened up. I'm thinking, here we go, here <laughs> we go. My first goal for Wales against Argentina of all teams, and I probably thought I'd scored it before it hit me forward then. Um, headed it sort of didn't go back across goal headed it into the side net in, and it was a glorious chance missed to be fair and the second one was that chance against Azerbaijan I think it came from a gigs corner and it, once again I've made a run to the near post this time completely lost my marker Giggs has put a great ball in I've got the whole goal to aim for all I've got to do is make good contact yeah. and, and it doesn't matter half a good contact even and I score and it's skimmed the side of my head and it's nearly impossible to do but it's gone past the back stick yeah. and I thought then I am never ever going <laughs> to score and I don't think I had too many more caps after that in all honesty I think that was one of my my last caps for for, for Wales but those two those two stand out um, and I can't remember if can you remember when we played Portugal soon after we played 
Brazil in that friendly. Right. We played Portugal away as well in a little town. Oh yes, uh, I want to say. I, I, I say can't remember Braga. what the town was called, but it was, the stadium held about four, five thousand yeah. people or something like that. And in the first half, we've we, we played around. We, we got beat three 0 but they had a, a good side with Figo and uh, Costa. We Costa. They, they had a good side. Um, anyway, Craig Bellamy's gone through. He's gone past the keeper. He's in the six yard box, but it's an impossible angle for him to score. He can't score. And instead of if he'd squared it, I'm in the six yard box waiting for the tap in. <laughs> he's, he's gone for goal, wasn't he? He swears blind. He tries to square it to me. I know, <laughs> and he knows what he tried to do. He tried to score. All if honestly, I was four yards away. If he just squared it, I'd have had a tap in. And even I'd, I'd missed two sixes, I would have fancied myself to score that. One. <laughs> but that would have been probably the easiest chance I would have had had Craig had Craig squared it, but he didn't. The, the, the one thing I was going to say, just about you mentioned Bobby Gould there, like the the change in professionalism. Everyone says that there's been a big change in professionalism and stuff across the whole sector. But what does that actually involve for you as a player, from Bobby Gould, who was a little bit old school, as you say, to Mark Hughes, who's much more modern? What does that actually mean when it becomes different like that? Organisation, really. You know, making sure when when you go out to training, everything's set in place that you're not hanging about for 15 minutes while things are being put out and discs and areas are being set up for the session. Um, facilities was a massive thing. And I'm not saying that was Bobby's fault. I mean, I can remember more than one occasion. We used to train up at the prison in Usk, is it? Is it prison in Usk? You know, we stayed, we, we'd stay at Newport, um, we'd get on a bus and it'd be like a half hour journey to the prison. And it was all a, oh, what's it, a public relations thing and whether it was Bobby's idea or not I don't know but it's just little things like that um, and then when Mark Hughes took over I think he was helped a great deal by by the Welsh FA in, in, in getting good and decent training facilities staying in, in, in decent hotels having a proper training kit so you're not scrimping and scrapping for a pair of socks or a pair of shorts that fit you in and and, and stuff like that. So I think that was the main difference. But the, the main thing is, and if you if you ask any if you ask any player, the, the big thing is is when you should be training, you're training, and you're not hanging about for someone to set an area to get the numbers that you need for this session uh, to get the teams organised. That's got to be done before you go out. Really. What was your like abiding memory of of Bobby Gould in, in his time as Wales manager? Um, when he had a. Wrestle with Big John Hartson. Oh, you were there for that? Yeah, I was in the squad, yeah. He'd had, a, he'd had a falling out with Nathan Blake over something that he'd said, which he, he was a bit naughty. I won't go into that, uh, but he was he was a bit naughty. And he'd chopped and changed the team on three or four occasions. Big John Hartson was starting, uh, then he wasn't Dean, because Dino wasn't starting. We can't play without Dean. The senior pros went to see him. Dino's got to start, and he's like, "Well, you can't have picked the team. Why? You've, you've got to start Dean. You've got to drop somebody." Else. Anyway, in the end, he, he dropped John. Told John. John was fuming. Um, anyway, we, we, we're doing the warm up at um, the training ground. What? Anyway, we're, we're we're running out there, and Bobby. He can see that John's pissed off because he started, then he's not started. So he, he's called us into the centre circle. 
And there's people watching, there's people turned up to watch his train, and he's gone, come on in, come on in, Big John, get, get out of your system, I can see you're not happy, have a, have a wrestle with me, come on, we'll have, we'll have a bit of a tear up. And then John's gone, Bobby, and to be fair, Big John would battered him, to be fair. <laughs> so uh, John's gone, I don't want to wrestle you, Bob, I don't want to wrestle you, blah, blah, blah. Blake has gone, I'll wrestle you, I'll fight you, Bob. Because obviously Blakey was still upset by the comment that he'd made. And they had a, a couple of minutes of rolling them out on the floor and while we made a circle round them. I think game as good as he got, to be fair. But that's And to be fair, as soon as they both got up, just each other down, they, they got on with it and, and they were okay. But that's... And, and I can't remember what game, what game was it where... Oh, it was the Denmark game away from home where... We won two one with Aidy Williams and Craig Bellamy scored. Oh yeah, um, and it was a big, big result for us. And um, I think he was doing an interview with Ian Gwyn Hughes, and uh, Ian's final question was, uh, "So what are you going to do now, Bob?" And like in his Birmingham accent, actually went, "I'm going to ring Marjorie, the wife. I've not spoken to her yet." And, and, that, and that was the sort of bloke that he was. That was the sort of bloke that he was. <laughs> Right, so to segue, um, I would love to talk to you a little bit about those intervening years between perhaps when you retired and now, you and in yeah. terms of particularly the development of, of the international team. Obviously, there's, there was a lot of changes, Toshak coming in and then Gary Speed and, and then obviously onto Coleman and Giggs. But as a sort of overarching theme, what do you think's been the key the key change, the key development in that time? Players playing at the highest level for their clubs, really. Uh, and we've, we've had some gems in, in recent years, haven't we? Yeah. Um, togetherness, they love being in each other's company. Um, it's as close to a club sort of spirit, team spirit togetherness as you get at international level. They've grown up together, they enjoy each other's company, they love being away with each other. And that's a big thing, because these, this day, they're away for two weeks together. They're away from their clubs, they're away from their families, but these boys enjoy being together. And we don't, and I was quite vocal when uh, in Tosh's last few games, because He'd moved the goalposts on so many occasions by saying, oh, this is this is a tournament I want to be judged on. And we'd lose our first couple of qualifying campaigns and and then he'd, he'd say, oh, judge me on the next one. Yeah. Same thing had happened. And I, was it Macedonia we'd played? What, what, which was his final game? Oh, that's a good question. Off the top. Oh, I don't think it was Macedonia. And we got beat by a side that we, we, should, have, we should have beaten. And we dropped to 117, and I think this, he was in charge for what five, six years. Yeah. And I'm like, and you hear little things that the players aren't happy with his old-fashioned methods and and stuff like this. They weren't happy with training. They weren't happy happy with the food that they were having to eat. And all of this, I just said, I've had enough. It's time that he's got a go, sort of thing. And after that game, I said live on BBC, you know, he's had six years. We've dropped to 117th. Um, we're probably at one of the lowest points that we have been as a country. It's time for somebody else to come in and have a go. And within within a few hours, he'd sort of resigned. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. 
that. I think he was. It was a tough time for for John because a lot of senior pros sort of left. Yeah. Whether he had a hand in that, it doesn't really. They they they'd come to the end, so he he, he was forced to give youngsters an opportunity, and that's why you know we are seeing the benefit of players who were, who were close to getting 80, 90, 100 caps. You know, you know, Joe Ledley, you know, Wayne Henderson, they're, they, they're experienced boys at this level because they were thrown in at the deep end because Tosh gave them a chance because so many senior pros left the squad. So we have got a lot to be thankful for, for, for John. But I just thought we've dropped to a nearly an all-time low, 117. You know, we have teams like the Faroe and Dora close to us in, in the rankings. Um, and that that hurt. So I thought he, he had probably taken us as far as he could. I seem to remember it as well, because I this is totally my dreadful memory. But And I remember that was one of the games where Bellas came out afterwards and kind of slaughtered everyone. And I remember being in the pub that night saying, do you know what? You know, he has had a rough draw of it. He's yeah. A lot of these players have gone and everything else. But we, you know, we've we've gradually gone backwards, and some of it isn't his fault. But you know, good. I, 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 I do I do remember thinking it was a battle. You know, do you remember the Cyprus away game where we lost three 0 Yeah, because um, after the game, all the press, uh, we've been told he's not going to do an interview. He's going to uh, wait until he gets back to Cardiff and then come out with a statement. And we all thought then, oh, he's going to wait until we get to San Marino, yeah, and then and then um, have a press conference. Then, and we all thought then, was, well, he's going to walk. Yeah, we thought he's going to call it a day. He's going to walk. Got to San Marino, got into his press conference, and I think it, the first question was, "Have you thought about, about resigning?" And it was a tough question. It is. It's always a tough question yeah. to ask. Uh, but he was no. He he thought overnight, or he'd had a couple of days to think about it. Before the San Marino game, uh, unfinished business, and he's got a he's got a good chance now of bouncing back against San Marino. I know we won the game two one. Did they score? I I thought it was two 0 but you might be right. But yeah, we all thought after that Cyprus game that he was going to walk, but you know he, he sort of prolonged his his time with Wales. I mentioned that you used the word forced a few minutes ago. You and talking about his inclusion of young players do you do you feel it was just what he had to do in terms of who was available or or do you think he was more mindful of blooding some youngsters I don't think and I don't know um, John that well I've met him a few times but I don't think he was thinking of six or seven years Mm. down I don't know I might be completely wrong because we're all quite selfish people at times, but I think he wanted... And why wouldn't he? He's a Welsh manager. You know, we've not qualified for years and years and years. He wants to be the first manager, as anybody would. Yeah. So, yeah, he was forced to give these young lads a chance. I don't think he thought, oh, you know, Gary Speed's going to... or Chris Coleman's going to benefit from yeah. the job that I've done. Because, you know, we, he didn't know who was going to be the next Welsh manager. Yeah. But I don't think... Oh, the manager in six or seven years' time, he's going to benefit from the good work that, that I do. And he, he, him and Dee Saunders, they both make me laugh now when they're having interviews about the Welsh team. And they always 
mentioned, oh yeah, we gave him his first game. You know, this is a group of players that we had, and we started the ball rolling. And fair play, they they, they probably did. But I think there's a lot of good hard work being done since then to get us to to where we've been in 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 France uh, and the Euros, and to where we are now. Because we are a force now. If, you know, we know it. If we've got everybody fit, we've got we we we're capable of beating anybody. Yeah. I've just going to ask one more thing about about you talked about management there. You've obviously got your your coaching badges. Is that something you're interested in doing, or is the management thing done for you? Do you think? I, I have the BA license. I did my B license when I was at Norwich. Uh, I moved to Chillingham as a player coach. If I'm honest, it's not something that I really enjoy doing. I did do the first part of my A license, and you've got to have your A license to. If you've got your license, you can coach anywhere around the world. Yeah. Coach in the, I think you can coach in the Premier League, but to be become a manager in the Premier League, you've got to have your license. You know, first thing, they're ridiculously expensive in this country. They are tedious. You know, there's a lot of theory work which I hate doing. <laughs> I mean, I only pass Welsh language and Welsh literature. There's O levels, so that tells you everything, doesn't it? <laughs> so. Um, so I've had a little. I did have a little bit of a taste of it actually, yeah. but if it's, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. And I think you've got to be passionate about something. You know, you, you, you if if that if you haven't got the desire and that that burning desire to do it and enjoy it, then there's no point doing it. I don't think so. It wasn't for me. I lo- I love. I've loved the last twelve years working with the BBC. Um, love the people that I work with. It's. It is the next best thing from, from if you finish playing, you become a coach or a manager. If you can't, you sort of work on the media side. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. How, how did you get into into that, particularly the, the podcast with Ellis James? Well, the, um, I was coming towards the end of Gillingham and I had a phone call off uh, a man called Gwyn Deadmill, who now works for the Welsh FA. Because they'd heard, um, and they'd always, I'd done, I'd done bits and pieces for, for the BBC while I was still playing. Because I'm a through Welsh speaker, so it was one of those first languages, and um, I think they only had Malcolm at the time who could speak speak, uh, speak Welsh. So they said, when, when you stop playing, you know, we'd love you to come and work, work for us and uh, have an opportunity. Loved it. Uh, the Ellis James podcast, uh, that's only obviously been going for, for 12 months last season. Because I've got, I've got, obviously I've got a rolling contract with the BBC, but there's certain things that 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 I did two years ago that I wouldn't do last year in my contract. So they have to put other things right, okay. in there to justify the payment that you get and one thing or another. So someone came up with a podcast, and I'm like, well, yeah, don't really know too much about it. <laughs> I knew knew Gabs didn't know Gabs well because I sort of, I was coming towards the end of my career when he was starting his been in a couple of Welsh squads with him played against him knew he was a really nice lad quiet quiet uh, nothing big time Charlie about him and uh, I'd met Ellis in in Bordeaux the night before we played Slovakia I did an interview for him um, and got on well with him you know his knowledge is ridiculous. Um, I've never known some of the things he, he. I mean, I've got I've got a bad memory anyway. But his his knowledge about football, especially Welsh football, is 
is second to them, to be fair. He comes out with little gems. It just leaves me and Gabs open mouth. <laughs> and it's, it's really been enjoyable. It's really, you know, we, we just give little stories of things that have happened in our careers, really. Uh, things that probably people would won't have, or would never have heard of or heard of had we not started this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to we're going to continue it this season. That's good. Uh, no, it's been good. It's been really enjoyable. Three lads in a pub talking football. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the joy as a listener is just how frank and honest you and Gabs in particular have been on those podcasts about your experiences. I think you have to be. I think if you're going to do something like that, I think you've, you've got to be honest. You've got, you can't be anything but honest, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Actually, talking about the podcast, I was I was listening to the Welsh language bit that you and Ellis did, and uh, you upset a young England supporter, you <laughs> I did, I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, you know what it's like. We can't support England. <laughs> we can't. Absolutely. I mean, my wife's English, my kids were born in England, although if push came to shove, if Wales played England... They would want Wales to win. Right, okay. uh, I've lived in England longer than I've lived in Wales. I've been living in England through playing for English clubs, but I still don't want to win. <laughs> and, you know, it's like they, oh, there's no expectation and blah blah blah. As soon as they win the first game, what's well, coming over and all that crap? <laughs> anyway, um, the quarter final against Colombia. Um, I've asked two of my mates to come round to Chris and John. John's got a son, Connor, who's 13, I think. And I said, oh, tell Connor to come. I, I wouldn't want my son to watch it on his own if his mm-hmm. dad was going out to watch it. I said, bring Connor, oh, we'll get some pizzas in, we'll have a few beers, blah, blah, blah. So we're watching the game, and of course, they've celebrated when they've been given the penalty and Harry Kane smashed it in. And I'm like, oh, gutted. <laughs> and the longer the game went on, I, I just couldn't see Colombia getting back into it. And of course, in the final seconds, um, they scored that headed goal from the corner, and I've just gone absolutely mental in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm going, get in, get in. Of course, Connor's got really upset and started crying, hasn't he? And I felt really bad, and I've gone, oh, Connor, don't worry, England will still win, mate. You wait and see, you wait and see. Uh, and I, I felt I did feel really bad and really guilty. <laughs> I don't care about the other two because they give it to me when England beat Wales in rugby or whatever it is. I was getting earful from them, but I did feel bad making <laughs> a thirteen-year-old boy cry watching bloody football. <laughs> so, what were your thoughts about the World Cup more generally? You know, um, when we didn't qualify, I was gutted. But looking, I was looking sort of forward. It's in Russia. It's not the end of the world because we didn't know what to expect. I've got this problem with hooliganism and I've been to Russia twice, I've been to Moscow with Wales, I've been to Krasnodar with, with Swansea in the Europa League. And the people are so unfriendly, it's unbelievable. So yeah. I was gutted, but if, if I was gonna to have to miss one World Cup that we weren't gonna it probably would have been Russia. But then when you read reports and I've got friends who have been and work, they said it was amazing. And we saw the tournament, it looked great, the stadiums looked fantastic. The games were brilliant, plenty of goals. I think VAR did sort of make it better, apart from on a couple of occasions. Yeah. Uh, but I think it did did improve the the, the the tournament as a whole. 
But I, yeah, enjoyed every minute of it. Enjoyed every minute of it. And you always, you always say, oh, it's the best one uh, because it's the, it's the latest one. It's the most recent. I, I, I remember '82 in in Spain. I, that was my first uh, memory of a World Cup. You know, loved '86, loved '1990, '94. I wasn't too fussed about. 2010, I went out there for a few days with S4C to South Africa. Brazil, I thought was brilliant, but it was it was a magnificent tournament. Yeah, I agree. And you, you could only applaud Russia by the way they they hosted it. Really, you know, it was, it was a tremendous success. Did I think France should have won it? They got better and better as the, as the competition went on, but they I think they got a massive bit of luck in, in the final. I really, really do. No, I totally agree with you. The first the first goal came oh, from a foul that wasn't yeah. a foul, and I, I'm and, still not convinced it was handball for the second one. Either. I don't think he's done it on purpose. You know, he's got a millisecond before he sees that ball coming over the, the forward head. It's it's impossible. I think oh, it was such a harsh right before half time as well. Yeah, you know it was a killer blow for them, but it's a great tournament. It, but you look at that French side; they could they could dominate for for a while to come. Yeah, yeah. You know, people I, are going on all oh, this England group. They're young. They're going to be together for the next ten years. Well, the same can be said about that French squad. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, yeah, young, they're, they're younger. They're younger, aren't they? They're only going to get better, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely yeah. agree. And you look at who wasn't even in the squad. Yeah. Never mind the. Yeah. They've got a squad who wasn't in the squad, haven't yeah. they? That's the thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And plus, they, you know, they made the final of the Euros. They probably should have beaten Portugal yeah. in 2016. Yeah. Although it, it, it's, it's nice for those as, as Welsh people that we were beaten by the eventual by the winners. winners. Well, you see, I have the exact opposite. To me, in my mind, and I know this is ridiculous, but to me, in my mind, was that the best chance we'll ever get to when you think if we'd have beaten Portugal God, could we have beaten France just you know if they'd beaten them why couldn't we do you know what I mean and yeah, in, in, in yeah. my mind I would have rather and France I'm, won just to I'm kind of wipe the floor with us a bit had had, had Ramsey and Ben Davis been had they not picked those yellow cards mm-hmm. had they been in the team I'm I'm 100% convinced we'd have won the game because they would have made such a difference yeah. I mean Ramsey in that tournament was different class that's the best we've seen him yeah. he was he was scary and Ben just gives you it's just so reliable in in defence and I, I I say even though they had Ronaldo I think had those two been fit I think that would have been the difference or that was the difference between us getting to the final and going out in the semi-final stage no I totally agree with you I totally agree just looking ahead what's what excites you most about Welsh football and things coming up Johan I think we've, we've still got players who are in their prime, who are playing at the top level. Uh, we have got some talented youngsters coming through. Obviously, we've got a new manager in charge who I was quite pleased got the job. I understand, you know, there is that thing with him not turning up for, for friendlies, but having, you know, I've shared a dressing room with Ryan on, on a few occasions and he was passionate about Wales. You know, you can just tell... He wasn't a ranter and a raver. He wasn't a shouter. But if he had something to say, he'd say it in a cool voice. And you could tell that he enjoyed playing for Wales. I look back and I can, he, he did miss so many friendlies. I don't think he missed too many competitive games, yeah. if you know what I mean. And that was the most important thing for me as a teammate. As long as he was there for 
the qualification games, competitive games. That was the, the main thing for, for, for me. Um, so now he's our manager. I look back at the games that we've had, not a lot, not a great deal's changed. No, we we still find it hard to create chances. Yeah. And I you yeah, you put that chart the, the first game against China aside, they weren't the, the they weren't the best. I know we scored six goals, we we could have had a few more. But then you, you look at the next two against two good sides to be fair. Yeah. And they proved that in the World Cup. Yeah. Uruguay um, and Mexico. We sort of we lacked attacking ideas in those two games. So tonight I thought that Ryan would put right, being the sort of player that he was, I think he will, given more time and the the more time he spends with the squad he'll have he'll have more opportunities and more time to to get his attacking ideas over. And that's that's the big thing that I want to see us change that we when we get into the final third that we have got more than two options. Yeah, you know yeah. we've always found it hard to break teams down. We we don't score as many goals as probably what we need to do. Although we did score plenty of goals in 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 the Euros. Yeah. You know, solid defensively, I think we're we're quite solid. You know, we've only conceded the one goal in in the three games, and our success over the years has been built on a a, a solid defensive platform. But we now have to find. However way we do it, somehow we have to score more goals, especially in, in qualifying campaigns. Because we've got the players to do it. We've got the attacking flair to do it. We've got, you know, we, we all know the, the youngsters that are coming through. It's important that they, that David Brooks has moved to Bournemouth. I think that's a great club for him agree, to yeah. go to. You know, anyhow, I think he'll, he'll, uh, I think he'll flourish under a, a coach and a manager like, like anyhow. Bournemouth will, I think he'll get opportunities there. Uh, Harry Wilson, I think he's he's been the pick of the bunch for me in the last three games. Uh, I think he's benefited from going out on loan to Hull. What's going to happen to Ben Woodburn? I hope I hope he's given a chance at Liverpool, not just in the cup competitions. You know, he's getting to an age now where he needs to be developing. He needs to be playing first team football, and that's. That's the important thing that these these youngsters coming through, you know, Ethan Ampadu. What's going to happen to him at, at, at Chelsea? Will he be given a chance? I think they do. They do think the world of him. He has been involved in in the Chelsea squad in in, in the Premier League. They need to be playing regular first team football to to develop, to progress, to make sure that when they're given a chance to be the next generation for the Welsh national team. That they're ready for it because you know when I played, when I first broke into the squad, we'd join up, we'd we'd play the game, we'd fly back to our clubs, and we'd be playing reserve team football. Yeah. And at the twenty threes, it's not. These players are better than that now. They're they're ready to to play first team football, whether it be at their clubs or whether they might have to move to another Premier League club or to a Championship club. They need to be playing week in week out in the first team at a, a football club. But I, that's the only way I think they'll get better. They're not going to improve how they should do playing under-23s, I don't think. The best thing for me when I was a youngster, um, and I, I hate it that they've done away with it, was reserve team football. Yeah, people might say it's only reserve team football, but you've, we were playing in, in sort of Watford, 
playing teams in and around London, Southampton, Norwich, and they were full of sort of pros, not youngsters, pros who were coming back from injury, pros that weren't playing in, in the first. I remember playing against Arsenal, they had Tony Adams and Martin Keown playing. Oh, wow. You know, it was a proper, proper test for us. Made me a better player. Yeah. And it's a crying shame that for some reason they've done away with this reserve team thing because reserve team football is far better than under 23 football. Under 23's football. You, I mean, you see what the difference it's made to Harry Wilson in, in yeah. you know, what he was at Hull for six months. Yeah. The difference. Scoring goals. He, exactly. Scoring. Setting them up and he looks so confident and he looks like he's become more physical because he knows he has to be and Ben Woodburn massively needs that, I think. Harry, Harry'd lost his way. Harry'd been on loan to Crew, Couldn't get in Crew's team. And, you know, he's, he was just bobbling along at, at Liverpool, a great club, but not developing, you know, not showing the potential that we knew that he had. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with him. He looks as if he's got bigger. He's, he's looks as if he's spent more t- time in the weights room, uh, bulking up, getting stronger. And I thought he was outstanding. Was it the, the third goal against China when he's cut in? And he's, yeah. he's got a great goal against China. And I don't care what the opposition level is, to score that type of goal, yeah, it's, a hell of it's, a it's a magnificent goal. You know, some of the runs and the movement that he's got. And you can you can tell he's grown in confidence from going to Hull. And Hull struggled last year. Yeah. And I think if you ask a Hull fan, he was the brightest star in their season. The goals that he scored and the goals that he created. He's gone, he's gone alone to Derby. Hopefully he'll get an opportunity to flourish there under Frank Lampard because hopefully Derby will be pushing for, for promotion, for top three, top four finish and hopefully Harry will be in the team you know, helping him to do that. I, I, t- I totally agree. I hope so. I think a player like Lampard will be a big plus for him. That sort of attacking midfielder role. Um, yeah. And I think it'll, it'll it'll hopefully well. give him the freedom to, to go and show his, his attacking skills. No, I, I think the big one for me with, with Woodburn as well is I think Ampadu is, is, is already kind of physical and strong enough and he's a good yeah. talker as well, we've heard. And, and I think he's, I think that'll, that chance will come for him. Whereas, yeah. whereas Woodburn, I think a lot of it is he can get away with his, uh, with his physique or lack of it at under-23s. And I think if he went out and had to play against, you know, you talked about playing against season pros there, if he goes, goes yeah. into the championship and gets kicked up and down the place for a couple of months I think he'd soon realise how different it is and what he would need to do to change and he would probably need to bulk up and everything else as well I think I totally agree I totally agree would be a big I, I do hope that if he's and, and you look at the money that Liverpool are spending already yeah. in, in this window if he's not going to be regularly involved at first team level at Liverpool then I hope Jurgen Klopp lets him go out on them whether it's to to join Steven Gerrard at Rangers. Yeah. Ideally, I'd like him to stay in this country because I don't think the SPL is that strong a, strong a league. I think he would benefit. Why don't Cardiff try and get him on loan? Yeah. Or maybe Swansea try and get him on loan. It doesn't have to be a Welsh club, don't get me wrong. I think a team that's going to be challenging for for, for the top six finishes, they would benefit. My club here in Norwich, I think they were, I think they were linked with both Woodburn and Harry Wilson. God, they'd, they'd be a great addition yeah. to Norwich City. It's a good club, you know, they sell out every other week at home. They'd love to see them, them types of players coming down on loan. Yeah, I know, I, I totally agree with you. I, and I hope and I hope something does happen for him. I think he'd really need it, especially... Because you look- don't want him just to bobble along. Exactly. I'm at a great club, all of a sudden, 
he's 22, 23. He's only played in a handful of Premier League games. Yeah, he's played in cup competitions. And because I think I look back at the last uh, last three internationals, and I think probably Harry Wilson's in front of him now. Oh, oh yeah, for me definitely, absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. But it's just the fact that he's playing regular football. I think. With Woodburn, that's the that's the big thing he needs. The talent and everything else is there, but yeah, again, you look at Liverpool as well. They've just spent thirteen million on Shakiri. That's someone yeah. else who's going to be blocking what? his path. I don't, see, I don't understand that. I, I, I don't understand that. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think they've got enough quality there. I, I don't. From what I've heard, he's not got the best of attitudes. I, I just don't think that that's the sort of player they need. And obviously, it puts another roadblock in the place for, yeah, for Woodburn yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's what. Going back to England, you know, yeah, they won the under some teams, they've under won the under twenty World Cups and, and they're like, Yeah, the future's bright and but it's only bright if these youngsters break into their first teams. If they're sent out alone to Holland or Belgium, they're not gonna be as as, as talent they're not gonna show and develop the talent that they've got as much as they they're not gonna get into the Chelsea's, your Man Cities, your Liverpools, because for some reason the big clubs, they don't want to give youngsters an opportunity. Yeah, They'd rather go out and spend £25, £30 million pound, or £13 million pound on a Shaqiri. Now that's when you've got... And we are biased because you know, we, we think the world of Harry and of Ben. Why go and spend that money when you've got two yeah. players? Just give them a chance. Not, yeah. And I don't expect them to start every Premier League game. But give them a taster. At least these day and age, you can have eight on the bench or however many you can have. At least put give them a chance on the bench to be in and around first team, you know, see the build-up and stuff like that. Nurture them. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. But that's that's the world we live in now. It's many talks. Managers, they want success yesterday. Yeah. I think they'd probably rather go to someone who has got experience rather than put all their faith in someone who's... Unless they're absolutely outstanding and top notch to give them a chance yeah. in 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 the first team. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's it's a shame, especially for someone a country like Wales, where we do rely on the English clubs a lot of the time to do a lot of our development for us. That that path is then blocked at a certain point yeah. for, for a lot of them when they get there. Well. Thank you, we've taken up far too much of your <laughs> afternoon. All right, I'm ready to do this. He's enjoying sitting it. in the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate your time. No, uh, my pleasure. Sorry it's taking so long. But it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. No, no problem. Thanks for, thanks for doing it. All right, you take care. Lovely to chat to you. Thanks a lot for your time. No problem. Speak to you soon. Thank okay, you. thank you. Bye-bye. 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 So there you have it. That is our interview with Ewan Roberts. Uh, on behalf of Ruth and I, big thanks again to Ewan for his time. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed this, what we thought was a brilliant and wide-ranging conversation. To continue our summer series after we've had Owen Vaughan-Williams, Owen Tudor-Jones and now Ewan Roberts, we're going to complete our summer series with an interview with Jess Fishlock, who spoke to us at length about a variety of different things as the Wales women look forward to probably the biggest game in the history of women's football in Wales, their final World Cup qualifier against England. That is going to be released on Monday the 13th of August and following that, Ruth and I are going to do a special preview for that game which we will release on the 20th of August. So again, please keep your eyes out for that. Once again, thanks for listening.